to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host. I'm a retail transformation specialist, a consultant and an advisor, helping retailers to understand their ideal operating model and defining and delivering the change roadmap to bring that ideal operating model into reality, driving profitability and customer experience. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 195, number 195. Decisions are everywhere in transformation and in retail and in life as well, let's face it. And yet it's funny, you know, because decision making is never really a topic that you get taught. It's something that you learn, you find a way. Trial and error perfectly describes how we learn decision making. But are you good at decision making? Usually it's hard to know. You probably know when you get it very wrong, but that's about it. So today, I want to lift the lid on decision making. And today, let's define the anatomy of a decision and the decision making process. The show notes for today are at obandco.uk slash 195. That's obandco.uk slash 195. And whilst you are over there, you can make the very good decision to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, my free email newsletter, as well as, perhaps depending on when you listen to this, grab one of the last remaining seats at the upcoming Productivity and Transformation Live event. So find out about both the Retail Transformation Briefing and the event Productivity and Transformation at the show notes today, obandco.uk slash 195. So as I said, decisions are everywhere in transformation, in retail, and in life. And there are different types and size of decision. Maybe it's a big strategic decision. Should we acquire this company? Should we close down our stores? Should we invest in this transformation project? So it could be a big strategic decision. But maybe it's a tactical decision. Should we match a competitor's price or promotion? Should we deploy the change in a big bang or in a phased approach? So those are just a couple of examples of a tactical decision. Maybe it's a day-to-day operational decision. Should we schedule more people to work at the weekend? What should be on the agenda for the next project meeting? So these are regular occurring decisions, day-to-day operational decisions, like I say. But maybe it's more zoomed in. Maybe it's an in-the-moment, task-based decision. Should we focus on replenishing aisle four or aisle five first? Should I use a pivot table or a VLOOKUP to get the answer I want on my spreadsheet? Should the presentation be made in Arial or Calibri font? Lots of tiny little decisions here. 
Equally, maybe it's a personal decision. Should I wear the blue top or the white top today? Should I have an Americano or a cappuccino? Lots of little personal decisions. And of course, there could be some big personal decisions that you make along the way as well. And on top of all of these, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of subconscious decisions that are happening every single day. Is it safe to cross the road? Am I thirsty? Am I hungry? Etc. Etc. There are many, many decisions that you start to realize are being made every moment of every day. But how do we come to a good decision? That is a lot trickier, a lot more subjective. And of course, when we make a decision and we go down a particular avenue, often we never find out what happens down the other road. That's the door left closed that we never explore. And I'm afraid I don't have an answer for that. But in the episode today, like I say, we're going to be exploring the anatomy of a decision and the process of decision making so that you can go into that process with your eyes open, with more consideration of the different elements, the different stages and the different factors that must be in your head whatever role you play within the decision. And we'll get into roles in just a moment. And whilst we're not doing a strict part one, part two episode here, in the next episode, that will be episode 196, we are going to explore more about world-class decision-making, some of the different challenges, and other tips and tactics that you can put into place to really drive better decision-making. So do make sure that you do subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app to make sure that you tune in next time. So as I was mentioning, decision making is a process and this process may happen over an extended period of time, days, weeks, even months, or it may happen in an instant. But even if it does happen in an instant, it is still a considered decision and it does follow a process although you may not realize. So let's illustrate this with an example. And we're going to use a highly strategic example of what top should I wear today? So I wake up and I need to get changed today. Shock horror. Maybe I've got a Teams call. Maybe I'm meeting someone in real life, but unfortunately I do need to get changed. (laughs) And I realize... I need to choose what to wear. And a top is going to be an important part of that decision. So I wonder what the weather is going to be like today. Well, turns out it's going to be hot. And at the same time, I'm also wondering what meetings I've got in the diary today. So I have a quick look at my calendar. Are there any important ones? Oh, I've got a meeting with David, which could be a tricky one. Plus there is a governance group, which is a really important checkpoint this time around. So all things considered, I think I'll go for a short sleeve, smart, casual top today. I know, the pink one would be perfect. And of course it needs to be clean and ready to wear, but ah, the pink one is still dirty. So that leaves me with a blue one and a white one. Let me hold them up to myself in front of the mirror, see what it looks like. The blue one does look great, but I think the white one might be better with the jacket that I was thinking of today. Ah. But of course, I probably won't wear a jacket today, given it's so hot. So let's go with the blue one. I'll put that one on 
and I'll put the white one back in the cupboard. Now it's likely that you go through some decision making like this, but perhaps you're not talking out loud and perhaps you're not stepping through each individual item. But I wanted to accentuate it to help explain the different parts of a decision. So let's go through. Firstly, recognizing that there is a decision to make. Recognizing and realizing that you need to decide which top to wear. And once we've recognized that decision, we move on to understanding the challenge and the context. Here, we took in some external data, such as the weather and what meetings we had in the diary. And then we looked at the choices. Firstly, here, we actually looked at making a partial decision to segment the different options and narrow down choices, choosing, you know, a short sleeve, smart casual top. And then we looked at all of the options and some basic criteria, such as being clean. And we also had a few preferences as well. Then we moved on to the next stage, which was deciding which option was best. Here we had a relatively detailed consideration of each option by looking in the mirror and reflecting on the wider challenges and contexts that we've already thought about, including the fact that we weren't going to be wearing a jacket today. And then we got to the point of making the decision and going for that blue top. Then we moved into the final stage of decision making, which is ironic given we've already made the decision, but into implementing and delivery. Here, this is all about the execution of the idea, actually putting that top on and putting the white one back in the cupboard. And then we may also at this stage have a review in the future. Was that the right decision to make? Now, let's be honest, this was a nice, simple decision. Start to finish in reality in perhaps a few seconds or maybe minutes. No one else needed to be involved. There was no in-depth analysis needed. The implications of choosing the wrong answer were low, if any implication at all. So nice and simple. So simple, you probably don't really think about it. But actually, we face a barrage of similar decisions every single day. And of course, not every decision needs to have a full in-depth analysis, but some do. And equally, not every decision will have the same implications to the wider world or the future as other decisions. But ultimately, we do all follow the same process. And interestingly, it's the same part of the brain that makes every single decision as well. And as we're going through that process, perhaps we fast track through some stages. Perhaps we run some of these stages in parallel. For example, understanding the challenges and context whilst identifying the different choices available. So right now, I'd like to just run through those five different stages of that decision-making process. And the five stages are, number one, recognizing a decision. Number two, understanding the challenge and context. Number three, identifying the choices. Number four, deciding what's the best option. And number five, implementing and delivery. So first up, recognizing a decision. This is really important because if we don't recognize the decision, then we can't really activate the decision-making process. We're going to be confused and we're going to be caught off guard because we haven't mentally started thinking about the future elements like 
challenges and context and options, etc. So first up, what is the decision that needs to be made? What's the question that you need to answer or that your organization needs to be able to answer? Should you do this? How do you do that? Etc, etc. And also in this stage, you want to understand a little bit more about that decision. What has happened to force this particular issue? Why is it happening now? Has this decision been made before? Lots of different considerations that you may want to start to think about, which are useful as we move into the second stage, understanding the challenge and context. And in this stage, you're going to need to do actually a lot of bespoke work to analyze the specific problem and opportunity that you face. Maybe you're doing root cause analysis. Maybe you've observed something in the market or seen what a competitor is doing or an opportunity has been presented and you want to understand more about that. Loads of different aspects go into this, like I say, bespoke analysis to understand the challenge. But there are some more generic elements that you need to also think about in this stage as well. When does this particular decision need to be made by? And what is driving that timeline? And really understand what that drop dead date is. Now, when I was at Tesco, one of my directors there, Mike Byford, taught me the concept and importance of delaying decisions as late as possible so that you can consider all of the latest factors. Any sort of breaking news can be considered and factored into that decision. If you do make a decision too early, you may be locked, loaded and committed when the world changes. And I'm sure we've all got plenty of examples of that happening and maybe catching people out from the last couple of years. Equally, Understand who is making this decision and who is involved. So firstly, who is making the decision? Is the decision maker a single person or is this a group or committee? Perhaps a governance group or a board? And you may want to understand, particularly if it's a group, how are those decisions made? Either which way, you'll want to start thinking about the broader stakeholder group as well. Who's going to be owning the decision? And by the way, the owner of the decision is not necessarily the decision maker. Who's going to be proposing the options? Who is an influencer to the decision maker or makers? You know, who is planting seeds and ideas in those decision makers' heads? And equally, who are the trusted advisors? Slightly different than the influencers. This is who is the decision maker turning to, to ask for questions or opinions? And there may be multiple trusted advisors, perhaps each one with a specialist topic. And of course, if it's a decision making group, each of the individual decision makers may have their own board of trusted advisors, shall we say. And I think it's important to note that the influencers and trusted advisors are not necessarily only senior people, but they are both influential and well thought of. Also, as you're thinking about who else is involved in the decision making, who is actually impacted by the decision? And quite often, especially in retail, those people that are impacted by the decision 
are not involved in any form in the decision. The two most notable groups, let's be honest, are customers and frontline colleagues. So many decisions get made further up the hierarchy of a retail business that is stratospheres away, perhaps, from those two broad, massive, highly important, impacted groups. So think about how you can start to understand the challenge and context from those impacted groups, you know, getting the voice of the customer or the voice of the colleague as well. Another element to challenge yourself on in this second stage is if that decision can be delegated to a lower level of the organization. Delegating the decision to a lower level is more cost-effective, more time-effective, and it's just much faster, let's be honest. So do challenge yourself. Can that decision actually be delegated down lower? And you can still communicate the decision back up to that decision maker or the governance group or whatever that is. Challenge yourself. It's a good question to ask. And then finally, in this second stage, I want you to consider what does a successful decision mean? What is the output? How is success judged for this particular decision? So let's move on. The third stage is around identifying the choices. And just before we dive into this, I think it's important to just dwell on the word choices here, because that's what a decision is. It's a choice. And suddenly I think if you start to think about a decision as just a choice, I believe it takes some of the pressure off. Yes, it might be a very important choice, a strategic choice, but it's a choice. I understand choices. But let's get into this third stage because this is about identifying the different options that are on the table. Now, it could be a simple yes or no type answer to that question, that decision, that choice that you need to make. Or it could be a number of different options that you need to select the best from. And either way, I would encourage you to always include the status quo as an option on there. Because if we get to a point where there is no decision made, we can't decide, we can't choose, and there is no answer to the question, then actually there is a decision being made. There is a choice that is happening. And that is the default answer of the status quo. So consider what is that status quo option and add that into the choices available. You then need to think, again, in quite a bespoke way, what's the research or the consideration that needs to happen into each of these different options? What are the assumptions that hide behind each one? What are the benefits and the concerns or the pros and cons for each? How do they fall into business cases? How do they fall into different timescales? What are the implications for each of the different options on the table? So loads of different bespoke pieces of work here to really flesh out each option such that you or someone can present these different options, literally or metaphorically, and ultimately make a recommendation as well. So on recommendations, I think it's always critically important to make a recommendation, particularly if you are closer to the decision 
than other people. Which do you think is the best answer? You're not saying you have to go with that answer, but which do you think is the best answer? And why are you coming to this answer? And if it's not you that is pulling together these different options, perhaps you are the decision maker, then encourage those around you that are doing this particular role within the process to make that recommendation and explain why that recommendation is happening. Why should option two be the preferred option? Whatever. A recommendation is a really important factor because it moves us into the next stage, stage four, deciding what's the best option. And that recommendation really forms the start of this because it puts an option up for critique, for discussion, for debate. It's a starting point. So in this fourth stage, it's all about weighing up the different options. Maybe we're making some partial decisions along the way, segmenting the options and deciding to simplify the decision. And actually, this partial decision concept is something we see a lot in TV talent shows, where contestants are eliminated at each round or each week. And ultimately, the big decision, who's the winner, is simplified. Each week, we get closer and closer to being able to easily decide who is the ultimate champion. So think, do you need to make a partial decision to either eliminate options or segment and zoom into specific areas of the options, but keep that status quo on there because if no decision is made, that status quo option is what is happening. Also in this phase, you are really wanting to test if the different benefits and concerns are real for each option. Has anything been missed? Are you able to stress test the process of decision-making to understand the different implications, for example, or make sure that the assumptions are fair and honest and to see if any of those assumptions equally can be proven right or wrong? And then there needs to be a period of debate. Now, this could be a group debate or actually an internal debate, thinking about all of the different factors that fall into this decision, this choice. And also, it's important that during this process that you recognise that making a decision to go for a particular option is equally deciding not to go for other options. Now, perhaps that's other options that are on the table, but also you may be eliminating other choices, you know, especially if, for example, there is finite resources available or there is a headspace capacity that is reached or you are making an organizational prioritization. So saying yes to one thing says no to many other options as well. Still in this debate stage, before we get to the actual decision, we also need to recognise that sometimes people have opinions, quite strong opinions sometimes as well. <laughs> people have opinions that they may not be qualified to have an opinion on. And politics, I have to be honest, is the perfect example of this. How many members of the general public, you and me included, genuinely understand about the decisions that are being made, whether it's around a general election for a president or a prime minister, or a choice around Brexit, for example. 
There are so many different factors that go into choosing the right option. And actually, does the general public truly understand the intricacies of all of those different factors? No, of course not. But the way that democratic politics is set up, the general public is lucky to have a real say, despite not actually knowing all of the information to make an informed decision. Albeit, there's lots of information that you could find out, it's just people decide not to find that out, right? So there's this period of debate, internal or external, depending on what that is and what that decision-making group is. But at some stage, there is a moment where a decision needs to be made. And it needs to be made very clearly. And so at some stage, someone, and I would suggest the decision owner, needs to prompt for that decision. They need to ask the question, what is the answer, essentially? <laughs> what is the decision we are making? And that needs to have a very clear answer. And if the answer is not clear, then that decision owner needs to push until it is crystal clear which option is happening. And remember, if there is no clear answer, then the decision is to stick with the status quo. And I would also suggest at this stage that it's important to get the justification of the decision understood as well. So if you are the decision maker, then make sure that you explain why you have come to that decision. Equally, if you are with the decision maker, ask why they have come to that decision. That's going to be incredibly useful for future decision making and ultimately continuous improvement of the decision making process in the organization. People begin to learn about which elements do and do not actually have sway, which are important factors and which are not. That can only drive better future decision making. So this is fantastic. We've got a clear decision and we understand why that decision has been reached. So on to the fifth stage, implementing and delivery. Now, the first part of this stage is actually around communication of the decision. Who needs to know what and who is telling them? And does that person that is responsible for communicating and telling others, is it recognised that they have the authority to communicate that decision? Now, if that doesn't quite make sense, then let me illustrate with an example. So the CEO agrees to spend a significant amount of cash on a very specific initiative. So then the most junior individual in the team is sent along to the CFO. And that junior individual asks the CFO to cut a great big check for a huge amount of money. Is that right? And I think, hopefully, the CFO would be left thinking, why is this the first I'm hearing about it? Why haven't I been told by someone with more authority, perhaps that I trust. So having the right person to carry out that communication is really critical at this stage. Also in this stage, again, very shortly after the decision, is a period of alignment. Now, perhaps you've heard of the concept of disagree and commit. This is the whole idea of giving the group the permission to fairly state their opposing views and challenge anyone during the decision-making process. But then, 
as soon as a clear decision has been made, everyone needs to fall in line and back that chosen direction. There can't be ongoing debate after that point of decision. Now, this is important to make sure that you don't endlessly revisit decisions. And I'm actually thinking of a past client here where when I first arrived, their governance group made some clear decisions. And then two weeks later, the very same topic was re-raised with no new information, but stating the same arguments as previously. And the debate continued on. And the outcome was then reversed. Not changed, but just reversed, such that a decision needed to be made once again. So that then got put onto a future agenda to rediscuss. And this happened quite regularly, actually, such that decisions were made and unmade and then needed to be remade. And boy, oh boy, you can imagine the impact that that has on progress and time wasted in these governance groups and even team morale, which we come back to in just a moment. So once you've made the decision, you've communicated the decision, you've got aligned, then it's back into the bespoke nature of making it happen, doing whatever needs to happen to bring that decision, that option into reality. However, there are times and places to back out of decisions. And actually, many decisions can be unmade. But each decision that is unmade is actually two decisions happening. Firstly, the decision to revert the previous decision, if that makes sense. And then secondly, there is the replacement decision that needs to be made. Now, yes, this definitely wastes time. It may also waste money. And it also wastes the motivation and the commitment of the team. People begin to lose faith in the leadership. But there are times where it is essential, when the external world changes. COVID was the perfect example of that, right? But whatever the reason, one other factor to consider here is the longer from the point of decision to the point of unmaking the decision, the greater the wasted time, the greater the wasted money and support from the team as well. So whilst you can back out of a decision, don't get into the habit of it because it's not pretty and it's not going to drive your progress like you hope it will. And if you find yourself regularly backing out of decisions, I would suggest you go way back to the start of the decision-making process and really look to understand each stage in much more detail because there is something missing there. Either you're not understanding the decision that you're making and why that is, or you don't understand the context and the challenges, or perhaps you don't have all of the options on the table, and maybe you've just not had that debate to really find and decide on what is the best option. And then the final stage is to review the decision, which may take in many different forms, but ultimately you are looking to say, was this the right answer? And unfortunately, you'll never know what happens to the other options. You'll never know what that untrodden path was like. And that's just something you have to live with. And if you do the right job of those different stages through the process, then you'll be fine. You will be fine. So those are the five stages of the decision-making process to help you understand the anatomy of a decision. 
And in just a moment, I'm going to cover what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. But if you have enjoyed this episode and you are left deciding what to listen to next, then here are three recommendations that I'm going to make for you out of the 194 other episodes that there are already. Firstly, episode 187, an episode called What If Your Transformation Is Wrong? An interesting one there, thinking about that backing out of a decision. Secondly, in episode 174, we were talking about what to do when there is no right answer. This is really critically important, particularly in that debate stage. If all of the options look great, or awful <laughs> for that matter, then that's the episode to listen to and you'll find out what you can do. And then finally, episode 163, learn to have conversations that matter. Now that's an episode with Lou Banks where we really understand why communication can be so important and how you can use that as a great tool to help understand the challenges and the different options and the, the thinking behind aspects like decision making. So those are three episodes that I'm going to put on the show notes today over at obandco.uk slash 195. And remember, you can sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing and sign up for the event over there as well. Now, I did mention next time on the Retail Transformation Show, we're also going to be diving into decision making. And I'm really excited to be sharing some different thoughts around some of the common challenges with decision making and what you can do instead. Plus, we'll be looking at what makes a world-class decision maker and learning lessons from some of the great decision makers of our time. So do remember to subscribe to the podcast, absolutely free, of course. And I'll look forward to joining you in that episode and many other episodes of the Retail Transformation Show. So I'll catch up with you very, very soon. Bye for now. 